up uh, getting letters in the post. Um, now, I know that shows how old I am, um, but when I grew up, there was no Snapchat, there was no Messenger, uh, there were no emails. Um, actually, there were no websites. In fact, I'm so old, there was no internet, right? Um, so everything came in the post. Uh, all, all official sorts of things, they all came in the post to you. Um, your statement of your bank account and how much was in your bank, um, all of your bills, uh, uh, business updates, announcements of new products and all of those things, um, they all came through the post to you. Uh, and personal things came in the post too. When a friend had a birthday, um, you, you sent them a message in the post. We used to call them cards, uh, right? They're an old thing. Um, uh, you know, if, uh, if you were dating someone, if you were with someone and you wanted to tell them how much you loved them, you didn't post a picture of them online and say how great they were. Um, you got a piece of paper and you wrote down some nice things about them and you sent it in the post to them. And, and what that meant is that when I was growing up, the post was, it was actually a really important thing. It was a thing, you know, like, um, you, you didn't know how much money you had in the bank if it weren't for the post. You didn't know when to pay the water bill if it weren't for the post. You didn't know when the registration on your car was due if it weren't for the post. And at least in my house, that meant that checking the post was a big deal. And, uh, and, and, and kids, at least in my house, we actually like fought over, you know, who would get to check the letterbox. And uh, when, you know, if mum, um, uh, you know, drove us home from school, it was a race to see who could get out of the car quickest and get to the letterbox to see what mail was there. And man, if there was a letter with your name on it, that was a good thing. You know, it was a, it was a big deal. So I can kind of imagine, just in a little way, what it would have been like to be a tiny church uh, in the Middle East thousands of years ago and discover that Peter had sent you a letter. We're starting a new series, uh, a title, a new series that we're calling Surviving and Thriving. Um, I'll explain the title a little bit later. Um, but, but basically in this series, we're going to dig deep into a small book up the back of your Bible um, that's called One Peter. Um, we call it a book, but it's actually a letter. Uh, it's a letter that was written uh, to a group of Christians thousands of years ago. Um, we're going to start uh, today, and, and over the, we're literally going to start at the beginning of the book, uh, like, you know, chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to go through the whole, the whole book, the whole letter. It's not a very long letter. Um, I don't know how many weeks it's going to take us yet, um, but it's going to take us a few. Um, and I want to tell you, I think you're going to love this letter. Um, it's a letter that uh, maybe some of you are going, oh, I've never read that letter. I, I don't, have no idea what's in it. I think you're going to love this letter. In, in fact, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and say that I think this could become one of your favourite books of the Bible. Um, it's going to become one of your favourite books of the Bible. And I'm going to explain why uh, later. But um, let's begin by reading the opening couple of verses. So um, if you've got your Bibles... Uh, 1 Peter is it's a really small book. The easiest way to find it is to start at the back, right? You start right at the back of your Bible, you'll get Revelation. And if you start kind of going forward from the back, um, the next book is a tiny book called Jude. Uh, you'll never find that. It's just one page. You'll flick over it. Um, then there's three little books, uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And then there's 1 and 2 Peter. And there's, there's, there's two letters that Peter wrote. Uh, one uh, which are called 1 Peter and 2 Peter. It's not very creative, I know. Um, of course, if you're on a, a digital device, um, you can find it that way. And if you don't have a digital device, um, uh, version 
uh, a brilliant app that is totally free, um, gives you the Bible, and you know you don't need to find your way around. You can just click on the name of the book, and uh, and away you go. So um, I'm going to start reading from, as I said, literally from the beginning, uh, one Peter chapter one verse one. Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I have no idea if that's how you actually say the names of those places. Um, But someone once told me, if you say anything confidently and like you know, uh, people will go with it, all right? So that's what I'm going with. I'm just confident. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. That might sound like a lot of big words, um, and it might not sound like the start of something really cool. Um, but to get how cool this is, we need to kind of um, we need to reverse a little bit and uh, and and go back and understand the a little bit about this book. You know, the who and the what and the where and the why of one Peter. So um, uh, let's start with Peter. Um, one Peter was written by Peter. Peter, right? Yeah, yeah, not a trick question. Um, <clears throat> And this is Peter, who was one of the, uh, the 12 uh, disciples, one of the apostles. So if you, when you read the stories of Jesus, uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, you'll you read about a guy called Peter in those stories. It's this Peter. Okay, this is him. Uh, uh, Jesus said this about Peter. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I tell you that you, Peter, I tell you that you are Peter. Um, his original name wasn't Peter. His original name was Simon. Um, and Jesus changed his name, said, we're not going to call you Simon anywhere. We're going to call you Peter, uh, which literally means rock. Right? So it's like saying, uh, uh, Pat, we're not going to call you Pat anymore. We're going to call you rock. Right? From now on, you're, you're going to be called rock. Jesus says, uh, uh, you're going to be called Peter. You're going to be called rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. He's not talking about a physical rock. He's talking about a person. He's saying, we're going to call you rock. And the church is going to be built on you and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. That's Matthew 16, 18. And you know, Jesus was right. Peter became a leader. This, this guy that was one of, uh, of Jesus' 12 kind of closest followers, one of his inner group. He became a key leader. When you read uh, the book of Acts, you read the first sort of uh, 8, 9, 10 um, uh, chapters in the book of Acts, you'll see Peter's name come up. And he became, Jesus was right, he became a key leader in the early church. He was based in Jerusalem at that time. That's kind of where the church started. Um, But in the decades that passed, uh, Peter left uh, Jerusalem and he literally travelled around what they thought was the whole world then, um, around the Middle East and the Mediterranean, uh, with this story of Jesus, sharing it with as many people as he could. Um, uh, Peter uh, has left Jerusalem and, uh, and we know, um, when, you, when we get right to the end of this book, in, uh, in chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, that Peter writes this letter when he's in Rome. Okay, so he's currently in Rome, uh, and he's writing it with the help of, uh, of another uh, young Christian guy called Silas. So he's got at least someone else around him, and he writes this letter there. It's a letter that he writes to a bunch of churches. Uh, they're the churches that I read out that he, he lists there. Um, 
And uh, there are a bunch of churches, if you're a geographically inclined person, um, these churches are all based around what we now call Turkey, uh, that part of the world. Um, and and the, the places that he listed are sort of regions. Okay, it's a bit like saying, um, you know, I, I'm writing this letter to, um, uh, you know, for, to us, he's saying, look, I'm writing this letter to people who are, who are in Happy Valley and, and Flagstaff Hill and Ranella and Woodcroft, like to a whole sort of region. He writes this letter. And it's what people call a circular letter. And what that means is it wasn't written just to one church or to one person. It was written to a region. And so what would have happened is Peter wrote the letter, um, couldn't upload it, uh, couldn't put it in a letterbox, uh, literally written on a, on a scroll, on a parchment, um, and where it would have been rolled up and it would have been given to a messenger. And that messenger would have travelled to the region, uh, gone into the first of those cities, the first of those areas, uh, gone to the local church there, found the local church, and, and literally would have um, done what I'm doing, standing up the front, would have unrolled uh, that letter and read it aloud to all the people. Now, if they're really lucky, they might have had enough money and the means to copy it, um, but most likely they couldn't. Most likely they, they read it and they read it and they read it, you know, and, and they actually kind of memorised the letter. And then it would have been rolled up and that messenger would have gone on to the next town and done the same. Okay, so that's, that's the way he's written this letter, is to be circulated amongst a whole bunch of churches. Um, historians tell us the letter was probably written around 64 AD, so around 30 years or so after Jesus' death and resurrection. And that date's really important. It's really important because that tells us that the letter was written after the persecution of Christians under the reign of Roman Emperor Nero had begun. And by, when I say persecution, you ever heard all those stories about uh, Christians being beheaded, uh, being burnt alive, you know, um, uh, lions, you know, being fed to lions and that. That stuff really happened, okay? Um, and, and that all happened or began under uh, Roman Emperor Nero. He decided that Christians weren't good um, and that they were, uh, they were a good group to make fun of and to make sport of. So he made it law that you could persecute, that you could kill these people and that was okay. Um, this stuff really happened. Um, and... And Peter is writing to Christian churches who are now afraid. He's writing to people who are suffering and to people who are doing it tough because they are being hunted. Peter is writing to churches to encourage them. That's what this letter is all about. And that's why I think some of you are going to really love this letter and really love this book because uh, most of us aren't being burned alive for following Jesus. Uh, most of us aren't going to be torn apart by wild animals uh, because we went to youth group on Friday night. Um, but to be honest, um, it, you know, we've watched what's happening in Afghanistan this week and knowing that that is still true for some people across the world, yeah? But it's not true for most of us. Um, we're not living with that. But the truth is that many of us are living, uh, many of us who follow Jesus and say, I believe in this, we are living as a minority uh, where we live. You know, and, and the truth is that for some of us, your workmates make fun of you because you believe in Jesus. Um, for some of us, the kids at school might think that you're not cool because you, you, know, you go to church and you believe in this stuff. 
Um, you might not yet be a Christian. You might be exploring this and thinking about it. And your family and friends think it's a joke. They think that you're crazy for looking into this and, and exploring this. It's all a silly old story. Why would you be spending your time uh, looking into Jesus? And so the reality is for most of us that, yeah, we're not being beheaded and we're not being, you know, uh, we're not being set alight for fun. But it's easy to feel left out. It's easy to feel made fun of. It's easy to feel uncool. It's easy to feel like following Jesus is a tough gig. And I want to say, if you feel like that at all, if there's any part of you that feels like that, 1 Peter is written for you. This is a letter that, that, that Peter's written that it's like he's going to write this letter straight to you. Peter is writing to encourage these churches in their suffering. And he's going to do that in a couple of major ways. And this is sort of, this is the, uh, uh, this is a 30,000 foot overview of what Peter's going to write in, uh, in the next five chapters. Peter's going to encourage people in two key ways. The first thing he's going to do is to encourage these tiny suffering churches by reminding them that through Jesus, they are connected to the story of God's people from the beginning of time. And, and essentially what he's going to say to them is, you know, you're not alone. You're not the first people to suffer uh, for following God. Um, and you know what? You can look at the way that God has been with and has rescued people in their suffering in the past. You can look at that and be encouraged by that because God will do that again. That's the first, the first kind of major point that he's going to make. And the second thing that he's going to say to people is this. He's going to encourage these tiny suffering churches by reminding them that Jesus suffered too. And he's going to remind them that when Jesus suffered, that he kept loving and serving people. He didn't get angry. He didn't fight back. He didn't get spiteful. He kept loving even when people had a go at him. And he's going to set up Jesus as an example and say, and that's the way we should be as Christians. And in fact, he's going to go further than that. He's going to say, and so when we suffer, when you suffer for doing what's right, when you suffer for following Jesus, it's actually going to kind of, it's actually going to bring you closer to Jesus. It's actually going to draw you closer to Jesus because you're going to sort of connect with him in your suffering because he suffered too. Peter is writing to these tiny churches to help them survive and thrive. That's where our series titles come from. What Peter's telling those churches is, you know what? This isn't the end. You can survive this. And more than that, you can thrive in this. That's the message of this book. And that's going to be the message of this series. So if you're looking for ways to survive and to thrive as a Christian in your workplace, in your school, at uni, in your family, with your friends, this series is for you. And I want to say, if you're just checking out Christianity, and um, if you're kind of new to this Jesus thing, um, I've got good news for you. Because the way that Peter writes about Jesus and writes about faith is going to help you understand what it means to be a Christian. And, and more than that, hopefully, it's going to explain to you why it's worth following Jesus. Because Peter's going to spend a lot of time saying, I know it's tough, but it's worth it. 
right? And, and so Peter's going to explain to you why it's worth following Jesus. So if you're kind of new to the faith or exploring it, um, stick with us because I think this series is, is going to be really helpful to you. Okay, but back to these opening few verses. Peter, as an apostle of Christ Jesus to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with his blood. For the rest of our time to get today, I just want to pick up just literally one really important word in those first two sentences. Uh, Peter begins by introducing himself and outlining who he's writing to. Um, he, he, he uses these two words. He talks about God's elect and exiles. And they're actually two really important words that we're going to come back to in future weeks. But then he goes on and he says, To you who have been chosen. Do you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God? Peter wants his readers to know right from the beginning that you are chosen. You are chosen and you're chosen in advance by God. That's what foreknowledge means. It, it means that, that God saw in advance that he chose you in advance. He wants you to know that when times are tough, when, when you think to yourself, this really isn't worth it. I've made a mistake. This whole Jesus thing is, is just a waste of time. It's a big mistake. He wants you to know that God chose you. In fact, that God chose you before you chose him. God's not responding to you choosing him. It's God that reaches out first, that he chose you, that he knows where you are, uh, he knows why you are where you are, and that you are chosen. He knows where you are. He wants you to be where you are. You are chosen by God to be in the place that you are in. You are chosen. You are chosen through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Now, sanctify is one of those, one of those kind of big Bible words that we don't really use in everyday life, right? You know, walk around and say, I'm feeling sanctified today. Um, but, but sanctified, it, it, really means, it really means to be set apart or to be made holy. In other words, what Peter's saying is that, is that, you're, is that followers of Jesus, that, that Jesus they're, they're chosen by God and, and, and as chosen people, the Holy Spirit is at work in those people. Right? That, that you're set apart, you're made holy. That the Holy Spirit is inside you and is doing something inside you and is doing something and it says that you would be obedient to Jesus Christ. He's saying not only are you chosen, you are chosen and the Holy Spirit is at work in you. The Holy Spirit is doing something special and exciting inside you and, and that is to make you obedient to Jesus. You're not an accident. You're not alone. You are chosen by God and the Holy Spirit is working inside you to make you more like Jesus. And, and he says... This is what the death and the resurrection of Jesus make possible. That's what he means when at the end there he says that you're sprinkled with his blood. Do you see that little phrase? You're like, what's that all about? In, uh, for, uh, Peter was a Jewish person. So he knows and, and his Jewish readers know when they see that phrase, they think of the way the whole sacrificial thing used to go. 
right? Because the priests used to take an animal, they'd sacrifice the animal, they'd take some of the blood of the animal and they'd sprinkle some of that blood, which, would, uh, which was sort of a sign of, uh, of the forgiveness of sins and of making people right. But of course, um, for, for, for New Testament Christians, for the people who are reading this, they're sort of thinking that, but they're also thinking when they think obedient to Jesus and sprinkled with his blood, where do their minds go straight away? They go to the cross, right? Because that's where Jesus' blood was sprinkled, right? So it's kind of a it's kind of a code way to say when you read that, your mind's supposed to sort of hyperlink straight to Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. That's what that's what sprinkled with blood would do for these first readers. They go, yeah, I get that. You're not alone. You're not here by accident. You are chosen by God. And his Holy Spirit is at work in you to make you more like Jesus. And that is possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's the headline of this letter. Right? That's, uh, Peter's just, he's not holding anything back. He's telling you right in the first couple of sentences, that's what I'm here to say. He's saying, I know it's not easy. I know you're in a tough time. I know things aren't going well. I know you're suffering. It, and the truth is, it's probably going to get worse. But I want you to know that you're not in this place by accident. And that you are not alone where you are. You've been chosen by God. His Holy Spirit lives in you and is working inside you to make you more like Jesus. That's what the death and the resurrection of Jesus makes possible for them for those first readers, and it what is what it makes possible for us. And that's good news. That's unbelievably good news. If you're a Christian, that's the message coming at you in this letter, and you should be thinking, this is going to be good. Right? If that's the message, I want to hear that. That is a good message. And I want to, if you're not a Christian, if you're still exploring this Christianity, if you're not sure what you want to believe, this letter is going to show you how awesome Jesus is. He's going to show you why a relationship with Jesus in this world is worth it. And is worth it even when times get tough. In fact, in fact, he's probably he's going to try and show you that a relationship with Jesus is worth it, especially when times get tough. He's going to make the point, actually, that the tougher it gets for you, the more important it is to have Jesus in your life, the more important it is to hold on to your faith. And in a world where, where, where people were then and are today thinking, you know what, maybe this Jesus thing is all too hard, Peter's going to say the exact opposite. He's going to say, is it hard? That's the time to hold on extra tight to your faith. That's the time to stand extra firm in what you believe. Because Jesus is the, it kind of counts, sounds cliche, but, but Jesus is the best answer and the best way forward that you've got for surviving and thriving in difficult times. And who doesn't want that, hey? So that's the introduction to this letter. Right, that's where we're going. Um, next week, we're going to jump into uh, Peter's opening thoughts. Um, and I want to say, uh, sometimes people say, don't read ahead. Um, that this isn't one of those times. Okay, Do read ahead. Reading ahead is a good thing. Um, and next week, we're going to be uh, uh, focusing really on verses 3 through, I think it's uh, 3 through 12 
in the first um, uh, in, in in one Peter one, the first chapter. It's only nine verses. I encourage you read it this week. Read it you, read it once a day this week. Because um, what's going to happen is if you read it, then when we talk and when we share next week, you're already sitting have the words and the ideas rolling around in your head a bit. Does that make sense? And so it won't be quite so... You'll get more out of it when you kind of know what's coming. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, when you watch a movie for the second time, you always pick up all these things because you kind of know what's coming. And so you can then see all the details and get all the really cool things out of the movie that you missed the first time when you're just trying to find what's, uh, what's going on. This series is going to be like that. So, so read ahead. Um, I read it. Google it. Um, you know, you go, oh, I don't really understand the Bible. You can just type in, you know, 1 Peter 1, uh, 3 to 12. Just literally type that into Google and you get all sorts of stuff. Some of it might be crazy and might be rubbish, but that's okay. Um, read whatever you can. Um, it, it's just going to help sort of uh, prepare your mind and whatever for, uh, uh, for what we're going to do next week. So, um, uh, so that's where we're going. Um, we're going to be back next week uh, with part two of Surviving and Thriving. <laughs>